Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 161 of G.I. Joburg, the first episode of the year 2020. We're living in the future, guys. I'm Steve. I'm in China. Who else I got? Paul from the future, and I'm probably a Nexus 7. Whoa, I'm a Nexus 8 from Cape Town, Rob. <laughs> it's the brutal crack of dawn on the west coast, 710. The file card breaks down like this. Some hot citrus tea and about a half a pre-roll of Gorilla Glue. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recipe oh, for yeah. disaster. Guys, I feel like I am bottling up so much stuff. It's time to uncork. Man, we haven't chatted in a while, and I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Am I right? Yeah, we no, haven't chatted since last year. Jeez. No last detected. And so much has happened. <laughs> so, kicking things off, I mean, is there anything on your guys' minds? One of you guys could take it away, but what's the agenda for tonight, gentlemen? We should say, hello 2020, we are here. Okay, so we've done that. Hello 2020, hi. Oh, We're ready that's... to rock out. We've got some cool plans for you. Um, you know, there's that. I mean, I could say it with less enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm joking. Really? I don't know um, if you can. Well, 2019, the year that was, shall we perhaps reflect a little bit on that? We recorded 28 podcast sessions, three of which were your on-the-spot ambush-style interviews, Cooge. Cheers. The first one was at uh, Long Beach Comic Con, then you went to Joe Fest, and a whole bunch of others. We had guests... A plenty. We kicked off the year with JD, our good old buddy. We talked Eco Warriors with JD, and then um, reached back into the the mists of time and talked Blood in the Water with my buddy Alistair. We had him on again towards the end of the year to talk Shifters. I'm glad I got that one out of my system. It had been welling up inside me for a long time. I actually re-listened to that episode today. I talked a lot. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, and funny you mentioned that because um, I know you saw it on Instagram, and I kept meaning to tell you, like, oh, dude, like, there's a guy on Instagram, very cool, uh, who loved your Shifters episode and loved your ideas. And I was like, oh, Stephen, you know, what do I say to this guy? But now that you're on Instagram, I see you reply to him. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, I finally found the Instagram love. Um, after Alistair, we had good old Snowcatron, Ronald Hoff joining us to talk about well, just Joe in general and collecting in the Netherlands and also expert restorations. We spoke to Bobby Valor, which we should probably do a follow-up on because we spoke to him on the eve of the failure of his initial Kickstarter, but now that Action Force is a success, I'd, I'd be interested to, to pick his mind now and just you know catch up with uh, the exciting new plans that are in the pipeline. I don't mind starting out 2020 saying... Jet fuel can't melt steel dream. You feel me, Bobby? Hells yeah. <laughs> we spoke to G.I. Joe author Paul Aller about uh, his G.I. Joe series, the sort of rebranded, rebooted, uh, very Elseworlds style G.I. Joe series, which I've just finished reading the third issue, and it's taking interesting turns, man. I must say I'm very enthusiastic mm. by the very clever redesign of Lightfoot. <laughs> Instead of making him like wear three grenades across his chest, it's like just this kick-ass sweater design. Kind of makes me want to have that, like three kind of grenade icons on your chest, and then there's like ribbings over your your abdomen. Very very cool. As it is, it will be done. Oh yes, please. I will say his name is going to escape me, but the artist on that book, Chris uh, Evanhuis, is good at Twitter. 
Thank you. He's really good at Twitter. I appreciate that. And I will say this. I'll sneak this in, brother. I don't want to break your momentum. Interaction on social platforms for creators, paramount. I hate to be that guy, but like, I'll, I'll show you a contrast. The artist on the G.I. Joe book has been awesome with the community. And that book is actually thriving where a lot of other books are, are flaking. On contrast, and I'll leave this out here, good vibes. I've invited Rob Liefeld through both his website email and social media twice. And he cannot, he cannot stop throwing flames in the tweets, criticizing people. Hey, Rob, we're out here, brother. Um, come talk to G.I. Joe. What can I say? I guess the Dutchmen are just a little bit more friendly. <laughs> or more modest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, Rob Liefeld. Throw some love, brother. We love you. Uh, we had two uh, local fellas join us for a very, very local-flavored episode. <laughs> Tarby Pelser and Ruloff Duplessis yeah. of G.I. Joe South Africa. Big supporters of us and uh, good mates. It's nice to know that there is a thriving G.I. Joe culture back in the good old RS of A. It fills me with pride to be a part of it now. We're small in number, but great mm. in passion, and that's fantastic to see. And rounding out the end of the year, we had Troy Smith back on the previous episode to talk about the interesting webisode developments. He's contributed another episode, that being a follow-up to his clairvoyance. Hey, if you were here last ep, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was called By Dawn's Early Light, and it's more of a companion piece than, I suppose, a standalone, because it's quite... Quite interesting in its its approach to dreams and realities and uh, getting inside our protagonist's head using subliminals and viral marketing and yeah. hypnotism. And I believe, Paul, I mean, it was your brainchild, or at least Troy, <laughs> being the modest man he is, credited you a lot creatively. So if there's anything you want to say about that, man. Yeah, which becomes as a surprise to me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do you feel like he ran with the ball? Yeah, I think it was just like, uh, you know, because we, we set up a, a WhatsApp sort of group for it, and uh, every time I sort of saw an opportunity to share an idea, I did that, because that that's kind of my MO, right? And uh, I didn't realize how much of it he would actually take to heart and how much of it uh, would play into, uh, you know, his excitement until the episode came out. And then, yeah, so, I mean, thank you. But at the same time, you know, it was a collaborative effort. We all came in, you know, for the big W. We all gave 150%. Um, but yeah, no, it was cool. It was, it was great to be a part of that. And that's how I like to be involved at the moment, you know, with that kind of stuff. I love just throwing in conceptual ideas. That's kind of my superpower at the moment. Not to mention the fact that between the three of us, you are definitely carrying the biggest hard on for Crystal Ball. I don't think Troy gave him time of day, and I certainly didn't. It's all on you, buddy. I, I was going to say, no, I don't think there's a G.I. Joe fan out there, save for possibly um, Stephen King's son, who likes the Crystal Ball as much as I do. And I don't even think Stephen King's son, or Owen King, whatever his name is, likes Crystal Ball as much as I do. So <laughs> I just love that character. But yeah. So, there is that and royal cover. That is true. But I mean, the thing is, guys, like any time you can take like a B-list character and turn them into... Oh, I mean, I'm not saying we turned him into an A-list character. I mean, that would be a little bit, like, self-indulgent and a bit bo uh, boisterous to, to say. But, like, anytime you can take something that people don't like and turn it into something awesome, that's great. You know, at, at least awesome in your own eyes for a little bit or in the eyes of a few. 
then it, then it feels like you've you've achieved something cool, you know. You've taken essentially a peg warmer, and kind of maybe made them into a ah oh, okay, it's nice to have this in my collection now, kind of thing. Somewhere out there, Dragon Fortress is smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, brother. We'll get round to the eco warriors one day. Oh, kind of great. 2019 was also the year where we, of the course of six months, debuted and concluded quite an epic uh, video undertaking, if I do say so myself, called Blazing Sand. Uh, I couldn't have done it without the help of my team, and fundamental to that team was the man I dragged out to the beach on <laughs> frigid, cold uh, winter's days. Rob, any reflections on Blazing that you'd like to share, man? Can you believe all this happened in 2019? Like, it's unreal that it was within the space of a year. Hearing you cover it, I'm like, that was in one year, really? Yeah, Blazing Sand was fantastic. Um, it was it was amazing that we were able to get the the fake finally into 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 the YouTube sphere, sphere as it were. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I I enjoyed those times. I I like being able to get out of the house. Um when I can and when I get out of the house it's cool to be able to play with your Joes again so yeah that was play sand was, was in inverted fast. commas mainly like <laughs> very very gingerly trying to ferry everything down to the beach <laughs> from the car park <laughs> hopefully not have anything blown away in the gale force winds um, no. <laughs> like try and avoid getting any kind of assistance from the dodgy car guards yeah, it's a colourful mm. time shooting these webisodes. And it's been no less colourful nah, here in China, let me assure you. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. I've been escorted off a number of building uh, rooftops by security personnel. jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, China, man. That is so cool. <laughs> they, they they will not be um, satisfied until they've eventually like, incarcerated me with some kind of trespassing. Oh, dear. Don't be sticking your head over to look down. Well, yeah. the thing is, um, I mean, before we get, uh, I mean, this could get pretty dark, but I mean, I'm pretty sure that China has quite a high suicide rate as well. And I think that's why they also like to keep people off those building, those rooftops, you know. 2020. Playing with his toys. I'm just playing with my toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else did we do on YouTube? Well, I mean, I I got to shoot some video as well. Sorry, did I, you know, just slap myself in there. But I got to shoot, shoot some video for Blazing Sand as well, which was great. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I know we've, we've spoken about it at length, but I was quite happy to, to do that little bit. I'm hoping to do more this year. So. Slap yourself in there, baby. What else did we do? Well, I've done a few um, documentary-style things, but that's mainly just to keep the wheels of content ticking over. Even when shopping. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's it's tough to obviously shoot the webisodes here because, you know, I'm limited with the, the amount of stuff that I have. Uh, and also, mm. just, like, it's awkward. Damn it, man. It's so much better shooting out in nature or on a beach or in a jungle or in a stream. Mm. Uh, shooting... Inner city China is, I, I guess I just don't have the same level of enthusiasm because it's less adventurism and more like, it feels like hard work, like, oh, geez. <laughs> the location scouting isn't as fun as taking a hike in nature. It's literally like, oh, will this work? It's really dirty. It's really smelly. It's very outback of you. 
<laughs> or is it? I don't know. More of an urban specialist. Yeah, I like cities because of that. Yeah. Well, it's it's given me opportunity to shoot some breathtaking breathtaking stuff that I otherwise would never do. I mean, Cape Town doesn't have much of a skyline. It's enough to achieve a cityscape, but it's not breathtaking. It's not like Beijing or Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of these Chinese cities are insane, man. Which are literally breathtaking. Well, yeah. that and, I mean, the energy budget or energy consumption mm-hmm. of China must be astronomical. The way the cities are lit up. It's just like, what, this happens every night? <laughs> It's like a celebration, man. Any hooch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be bringing my Bad Luck Lady trilogy to a close, hopefully while I'm in Cape Town. I'll get home on the 24th of Jan, and I'll be able to complete it shortly after that. There are a few toys that I actually can't do without in order to complete it, and that's all residing in South Africa. So those of you guys holding your breath to find out what the hell is going to become a bazooka, jinx, snake eyes, quick kick, well, you have your end date, hopefully, somewhere there, just before February. And and lots of new arrivals this year in terms of toys. Stephen, I know that you you did quite well in 2019 uh, with some fines and, and thingies. You got your, your, cool, your junior jets. <laughs> Uh, we spoke about the Storm Eagle and the Liquidator in a previous episode. I didn't know we were doing a toy reset. No, no. Just, well, I mean, I would love to talk about new stuff as well, but that's because I finally have new stuff to talk about, which is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So it sounds like so. 2019 was amazing and 2020 has, has, has got a lot to live up to. <laughs> No, true, 2020 true, true. does not have a lot to live up to. 2020 could be mildly better than 2019 and kick its ass. But for G.I. Joburg, we're, 2020, we're, we're uh, trying to be enthusiastic here, Paul. <laughs> 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 we're trying to pull up enthusiasm. I'm so... Uh, I'm not going to lie, guys. No, I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm glad 2019 is over. I'm very excited about 2020. Yeah. Oh, onwards and upwards. So, new stuff. What new, new stuff? stuff. Well, let me, let me jump in for a second. At least its side, it almost, like, if you're looking at social media, it kind of feels like manifest destiny. What about you guys down in South Africa? Are people kind of seizing the moment because of the year? Um, Or do you think it's just New Year's resolutions that will fade? Well, the load shedding guy's back at work. Oh, yeah, he's (laughs) really good at doing that. (laughs) He's he's he's, he's come back into his job with tons of enthusiasm. Cooch, it's really too early to tell at the moment. Um, I'm actually purposefully trying to avoid the no- uh, the news. I actually said noise, but I actually meant <laughs> new- uh, news, but same difference, actually. I'm actually just trying to focus on my own personal goals and, and on G.I. Joburg's goals. And so far, that's looking great. But I can't really speak for the whole of South Africa right now <laughs> because <clears throat> everybody only goes back to work next week. So we'll find out how... Uh, how happy everybody is <laughs> in a, in the next episode of G.I. Joker. Robert, you got a couple creatives around you. Are those people driven nowadays, like using platforms, stuff like that? I think, yeah, I mean, they they, they kind of have to go towards social media. I mean, if, you, if you're not doing that, you, you're not going to get seen and you're not going to get your money made or people to appreciate, you know, kind of like who you are and what you have to offer. Um, I don't think there's been much of a push at least now in the, in the first couple of weeks of January. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely time will tell um, what's going to come out of this year. 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening, obviously, internationally. I mean, there's tons of stuff happening right now. So I think people are kind of like holding their breath to see, like, are we getting World War Three? Is it not going to happen? <laughs> well, what, what's going on? <laughs> I know. Uh, I know when we talk travel plans, if we do, we'll probably talk about your 2019 a little bit. But I guess if I'm talking to you guys and just the Joe community. It's a it's a great time to be alive, guys. Is as crazy as that is to say. Um, we made it. We made it. You're in GI Joe, guys. The one fandom that survived the culture wars. Am I am I playing around? <laughs> Not really. Um, well, there is a lot of exciting GI Joe news on the horizon as well. So indeed. Yeah, but exciting. before you segue onto that, so I want to know about that other fandom. 2019 was a big hold year. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Huge. Oh, you're gonna derail our, you're gonna derail our mind. Everyone just, everyone. <laughs> just breathe, just breathe. Okay, Pooch. he's going next. Talk to us about Star Wars, man. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you're good. There, there, there needs no mm-hmm. discussion about, uh, the wars of the star. Yeah, no, no, no the, the discussion's too yet. small. It's too small for mm. us right now. Um, yeah. cute. Yeah, I'll say this. Shit, man. <laughs> I'll say this that who what who were they coming for last GI Joe because that was the toughest property to approach. Who knows if they'll get it right? We'll talk that in due course, I imagine. But here's why GI Joe is is still alive and why why it's still kicking ass. We owned our narrative. Here's how. Full force on the dailies. Is do, does your does your citywide news service get news out quicker? I don't know how he does it. But Harry's last year, his team, his wife even was on uh, another piece of uh, G.I. Joe Media, which is What's on Joe Mind. They're still thriving. They still turn up in my uh, podcast list. So that's that's two G.I. Joe podcasts. Of course, you got G.I. Joeberg. Nobody does context better than we do. Mm. And, uh, yeah, look around. Do you have HCC on YouTube every Tuesday night? That's a hoot. It is. Um, you got plastic battles on the semi regular on, oh, uh, what is it, Instagram? Yep. And I think we'll, we'll chat about it at the end of the podcast, but we'll probably be a little bit more visible this year on the live stream. But uh, did I forget anybody, guys? I don't want to talk uh, social media, but just kind of people that have a G.I. Joe signal going. Hey, you forgot to mention the greatest G.I. Joe podcast on the internet, knowing it's half the podcast. Come on. Hey, they do tweet. Uh, they're not great tweets, but... Um, <laughs> they did Samurai Pizza say. Cats, man. Damn, that takes me back to 1993. I love that show. You do? It's well, you should watch it again. It's garbage. No, I... Yeah. I love that I show. could I could save this, but I do want to raise a glass to Tiandi. Uh, Tiandi. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> no, I, I do want to raise a glass. We're way to too excited for this year. <laughs> John Thurman, who uh, pointed out on Podbean that we were the sixth most discussed podcast on that platform, number one being Joe Rogan. This must mean we're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it does. No, let's uh, let's let's be the top discussed one. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the comments this year. Just talk to our podcast. Let's see what happens. How cool would it be if we were on a Joe Rogan podcast? That would be awesome. I, I'm I'm out, of, I'm out of fire, guys. <laughs> okay, you're back on, Steven. I got new shit. 
<laughs> Look, Cooch, I got new shit. I challenge you to to take up the struggle that is the Podbean comments thread. Because yes, anyone hearing these voices and wanting to reach out, I suppose that thread is your most immediate port of call if you don't want to delve into the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. But I have failed my stewardship of that comments thread because it's just it's such a non-entity to me. Like it doesn't it's not a social network insofar as it doesn't connect you to anything but us. But it is, I suppose, the most direct place to get us. So, Kujo, by all means, man, be be the man in the thread, and let's take Joe Rogan's crown. Cause, I mean, that's it's right. A pretty arbitrary <laughs> accolade, but I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> and thus, rivalry between GI Joe Berg and Joe Rogan started. No, I'm joking. I'm just thinking of Aussie Man reviews when he ever he has videos of animals fighting. And then he has this whole, like, they became, like, bits of rivals, and now they're best friends. Anyway, the carry on. G.I. Joe Berg experience. <laughs> you have to watch that. Exactly. So who else got new shit? I did! I want to talk about it. <laughs> I got new stuff, which I'm very excited about. And why is this so exciting? Because it hasn't happened a lot. <laughs> Our awesome Jim Godfrey sent me a birthday package last year, which I picked up from the post office yesterday. Just so you know, he sent it in October, so it was like it took like a whole four months to get to me. Okay, so I finally got it, and he sent me an amazing collection of Jademan Comics, which is a Hong Kong comic brand, uh, and they're all like kung fu comics. And I uh, am very very familiar with the Jademan comic brand because of David, and I've only ever experienced them in Chinese or in Mandarin, if you prefer. So it was cool to have a whole bunch of them in English from Jim. Hang on, wouldn't they be in Cantonese? Um, the Hong Kong ones, yeah, but David's ones specifically, I think, are actually in Mandarin or in, are written in Chinese or something. Yeah, I'll double check with them um, because I must say with the writing, I can't tell. Um, anyway, so I got a whole stack of those, which is really cool. And then um, the the really cool uh, snow serpent that Stephen got me last year uh, needed a gun. And Jim uh, happily provided a firearm for my snow serpent, which is great because now my snow serpent doesn't have to do on-site procu- uh, procurement. He can go in there and just kill shit, which is great because now he's got a gun. Um, and guns don't kill people. Snow serpents with guns kill people. And then, um, <laughs> and then he sent me, <laughs> and then he sent me this other uh, unique little item. It's called an ammo bot, and it's from the same people who bring, uh, bring us World Peacekeepers. Um, AKA the toys that come with those cool vehicles. Um, but these guys are actually really well made little toys. And I did a bit of a quick fire review on them, which I'm currently editing. So it should be, um, out in the same week as this podcast. So check out our YouTube channel for that. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised with this uh, toy and it, it gave me some fodder for, uh, what's coming on later in this podcast episode. So <clears throat> that was really, really cool. I'm very happy about that. And then, uh, and then on Christmas, I got spoiled with a Street Fighter Ryu from the Marvel vs. Capcom toy line. And I gotta say, this is like the coolest Ryu figure ever. I love this toy. Thank you, Steve. And, uh, and I got uh, some Indiana Jones and an Ice Viper. So now my, my, my Cobra Wolf now has a driver. So I am very, very happy with my stash of awesome shit. So, and that's all like GI related or shaped like a GI Joe. So, yes. <laughs> 
Paul can finally shut up about his new stuff. He's just super excited, okay? Super duper excited. Oh, you'll get! <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else got some new stuff? I got a new year. That's good enough for me. <laughs> oh, Roberto, no! Well, uh, I have a tendency of, like, stacking up stuff so that I can open things on Christmas Day. And uh, it was very fortunate that the stuff was routed via Australia. Um, so Kim could mule it to me in China. And in that stash was a Vamp Mark II. Paul, carry on. Very good. Okay, okay shut up. <laughs> yeah, we could have let that go for so long. Uh, it's been a, a great uh, uh, fascination uh, that I've had, and a number of listeners to the show and friends of ours have had as well, that the Nintendo Entertainment System game called Jackal seems to have a lot of the G.I. Joe hallmarks to it. I mean, the famous tricolor logo is mm-hmm. on the Jackal uh, badge or lettering. Um, but the similarities don't end there. I mean, anyone playing that game who is a fan of G.I. Joe probably imagine those two Jeeps being vamps. And, hey, now i got a green one, and now I've got a tan one. And the one has machine guns and grenades, and the other has rockets and machine guns. So, ladies and gentlemen, expect a G.I. Joe slash Jackal two-player extravaganza uh, sometime what? soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, love that game. And- I got a Stella Stiletto in box. Unassembled, uh, stickers unapplied, minty fresh star vibe. Kind of jealous of that. Dude, I must Sexy. say, there is nothing quite like assembling a G.I. Joe vehicle on Christmas Day. It is, mm. it's, it, it has such huge resonances for me. And it's just the greatest. And it, it's obviously a rarity now, now that these things aren't currently sold, to have such an experience. So, what a treat. It's it's a double treat. You get a cool toy at the end of it, but the process by which you arrive at that cool toy is so cool and nostalgic and mm, yeah, man, just just brings back all the good stuff of Christmas pasts, Christmas Christmas's past. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I almost feel like the stiletto might suffer the same thing as like the uh, Raven. Like, how does it exist in a play pattern? You just fly through rooms with it? I fear people um, miscast it. And I say people when I'm actually just referring to our good buddy HCC. See, uh, he bought the stiletto wanting it to basically be the Cobra jet of his Air Force. I mean, I, I, I think he might have had an earlier Cobra jet, but he needed an update I don't know if he had the Raven, probably not, because it was quite an extravagant piece. So, he wanted the stiletto to be something that it's not. It's rather diminutive, it's rather unimpressive, and certainly won't really go toe-to-toe with a G.I. Joe Conquest. Especially not in the looks department. 
I mean, the stiletto is... It's a transorbital interceptor, man. It is a, a pocket rocket sent up in very, very specific mission roles to knock out G.I. Joe satellites or G.I. Joe Defiance or Crusaders. You know, I think that is its key role. And it was miscast, as I say, in playtimes, but also obviously by the comic book. It was never used in space. Only the G.I. Joe recast of it, the Starfighter, was used mm. in its proper environment. But, uh, yeah, man, the Stellar Stiletto... I do like what they did with Star Viper, making him a, a unique character, an individual, and a very impressive one at that. Kind of adds credence, credence to the fact that, like, when Cobra grunts are highly specialized, they are every bit a match of the most um, battle-hardened and veteran and capable G.I. Joe soldiers. But um, since this parcel was smuggled via Kim and via a third party, my good buddy MC DJ ACDC on the YouTubes, uh, he snuck in a few extra goodies. Damn you. <laughs> he gave me an undertow, crazy legs... And because he is a very, very observant um, listener to the podcast, he smuggled in a Dusty from the G.I. Joe Real American Hero collection, which was the same Dusty I traded for my Tiger Force Outback. <laughs> oh, wow. The universe is too good for you, man. So, yeah, that Dusty has <laughs> found its way back into my hands. Thank you very much, Andrew. That is so cool. And that was a Merry Christmas. Oh, one other thing, not Joe-related, but also a lovely Christmas tradition, which I'd love to continue, is we had a secret Santa in the the company, and my secret Santa bought me a Lego Batmobile, which is the coolest <laughs> little set. That's good. Yeah. Jeez. Takes That's a lot of cues awesome. from... Which one? Sorry, uh, just to, to clarify for our listeners and for me. It's um, <laughs> just, quite recent. Is it recent. one where it's a Batmobile and a bike for Robin? Or, no, no, no. This set or, I mean, is... not bike, it's a Batmobile and Mr. Free, like that, or... There's a current wave of, like... I think it's just three uh, sets, like current Batman sets, yeah. that are just Batman. It's not taken from a film or an animated show. It's just, like... Batman and he's chasing the Joker, but Batman gets a Batmobile and the Joker yes. gets a pistol. Um, yeah, it'll be a very quick chase. Yeah, I've seen those. That's why I'm. I think that one that comes with Mr. Freeze. But yeah, it it, it takes a lot of notes from the the Tim Burton Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know which one you got. That is very cool. That's a very nice cast member. My word. Mm-hmm. Well, I know who it was. <laughs> It's one of the uh, Matilda's mothers. You see, the, the kids all are allowed sort of on the company dime to have a guardian come along on tour with them. So the mothers oh, are yeah. essentially, or the mothers, or fathers, or guardians, could, could be grandparents Maybe or legal guardians. They're all kind of salaried employees of the company. And they obviously would then be part of the Secret Santa Christmas draw. Yay! So, I think nice. she, she actually put a little bit extra in, because I know exactly what these things retail for. <laughs> but, mm. you know, it's appreciated, because building... Groupies. I, I put the uh, Tim Burton Batman score in my earbuds, and built that yeah. sucker. 
Yeah, between that and the stiletto, it was a good Christmas, guys. There's actually one more little thing that I got last year that I actually totally forgot to mention, and it actually is Batman-related, and I didn't mention it because it was not G.I. Joe. But I had, like, a whole bunch of e-bucks, and I had to close one of my accounts, unfortunately, and I had all of these e-bucks and whatever. So I got my mom a Christmas gift with the with e-bucks, and I bought myself the Batman animated series collection because it was e-bucks. Hmm. You know, it's like not real money. And Whoa. when yeah, when you said that, Steve, it just made me think of like yeah, that's totally what I would do. <laughs> I would put on the cartoon and pull that. That's it. So very cool, very very cool. How do you guys rate the Burton Batman films these days? Still quite highly, hey, for me personally. I like them. I think that they're like dark fairy tales, and I think they are better than. Well, I think they they're cool. They're like as good as Nolan's films. Personally, I feel that they're as good as Nolan's films, but completely different take. Almost like uh, if you looked at that as Batman as a fairy tale, as a dark fairy tale, and Nolan's as like a Batman set in a real world. That's how I see them. I don't see any better or worse. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. That's a whole species on its own that I don't want to go near. <laughs> so, Saying uh, flipper hands. Yeah, and, no, dude. Like the, I gotta say, the villains in Burton's films are iconic. I love them. I love the Joker. I love Nicholson's Joker, and I love Danny DeVito's Penguin. And I also enjoy like Max Shre- uh, Max Shrek. I think he's a great vil- a villain on his own, in his own right, should I say? Um, Catwoman is obviously like, I mean, she set a bar for Catwoman. Um, that changed even the comics. So, yeah. So that was cool. I don't know, Rob. You you're a big Batman film guy as well. I know you 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 love Nolan's work. So how do you feel about? Oh hell yeah, it? dude. Well, I I like any I like being able to see different takes on Batman, and I think the way that you kind of set it out, you know, kind of like a like a fantasy, dark fantasy version. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing the original Batman in cinemas, so um, Oof. I've I've loved that version of the of of the character for ages, and yeah. Uh, no, Keaton, I thought it was a good version. It was a good pick for Batman. I think they still stand up. Damn, son, you saw Batman 89 in cinemas? Yeah, dude. You must have been all of about six years old. Hell yeah. I wasn't, I didn't even think we were supposed to be in there. Wasn't it like a PG-13 or something? <laughs> Don't ask me. I saw it on VHS. No, dude, that shit <laughs> was like totally open when we were kids. <laughs> I because, I mean, there, there's some hectic scenes. Yeah, Paul. There are some hectic scenes on movie. Yeah, I watched it on VHS, uh, on tape, but it was taped off Mnet. I watched it in my no, friend's I, house, but he I went to watch it in the cinema as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he watched it in cinema, and then I went to watch Ninja Turtles with him. I think that was in the following year. Ninja Turtles came out in 1990, so go, uh, not Go Ninja, that's Turtles 2. But yeah. Ninja Go. Go Ninja, hey, go Ninja, go, 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 go. You want to see the yeah. future? <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. Oh, Batman. That, yeah, that, that score and... Oh, I love that. And it said, I mean, my one of my birthday cards uh, when I was like in grade one was my friend had photocopied a picture of Batman next to his Batmobile onto a bit of paper and written me a birthday card. I actually found it uh, about a year or two ago from James. Mm. It was really cool. So it shows you how big we were into Batman when we were kids as well. So, Stephen, do you think it still stands up? Are you a fan of Michael Keaton and Prince? I find <laughs> them infinitely watchable 
but I think that's my nostalgia muscle kicking in. These days, I'm always looking at things through the eyes of the kids in the cast. Case in point, the only the only justifiable reason I could find to go and watch Rise of Skywalker was if one of the kids in the cast twisted my arm to go with them. Because I figured seeing it through the eyes of a child who is not too much older than I, or, or younger, in fact, than I was when I watched episode one for the first time, might show me its redeeming qualities. Because at the end of the day, it's an entertaining spectacle, regardless of what they do to the history or the lineage or, or what ta- tangent the bloody fan fiction <laughs> goes on to. Mm. Um, two of the, the, the lads in the cast were both cajoling me to go with them. And in that moment of weakness, I almost did. But they had both seen it already by that point. So so I didn't feel too bad in saying to them, look, guys, Star Wars for me means something else. Uh, I'm glad you <laughs> loved it, but I'm going to pass. And they were upset for a time. They love it enough that they want to share the experience with you, dude. That's mm-hmm. gonna but I'm intellectually good. superior to you, so, you know. It was very endearing to, to have that, and that was probably the, the you know... That's the same notion I'd feel if I had offspring of my own, except I definitely would have gone with them because that would have been the only way they got to see it is if daddy came along. But <laughs> where was I going with this? Fuck, feels like I've jumped topics. You were you, you were kind of Batman. feeding us an alibi of why you've seen it. <laughs> no, no. Like how you see things through the eyes of yes. kids like Batman. So, talking about so Batman. Nowadays, I'm thinking to myself... Cause I was talking to these kids, like, they were asking me, who's your favorite Star Wars character? I was like, it's got to be Han Solo. And they're like, Han Solo? Why? And all of a sudden, in that moment, something was made abundantly clear to me. I mean, this might sound like a fucking no-brainer, but you are absolutely shaped by the era in which you grew up in. We Hmm. grew up worshipping our recorded VHS copies of Star Wars, we wore them out. And those mm. characters were so indelible in our minds. Um, and and the, 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 the archetypes were so attractive to us. And now, mm. people are awash with too much Star Wars. <laughs> you know? It's not this thing frozen you're, in time. You're sniffing Mindbender's butt right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so much that, like, the focus is somewhat diluted. Who do you like? Do you like Anakin? Do you like Obi-Wan? Do you like Vader? Do you like C-3PO? Man, no one really likes C-3PO, sadly. Unless you've watched Oral Noughts. Oh my goodness. Everyone listening to this, <laughs> stop listening to this, and go on YouTube and watch Oral Noughts if you haven't already. <laughs> I know it sounds Their rather remixes dirty. of the episodes are the best. Bro, mind-blowing. Well, I mean... The C-3PO <laughs> subplot... Oh, I wouldn't even call it a subplot. It is the plot of Star Wars. C-3PO <laughs> is the central character. Um, damn it, man. Oral notes. I'll put a link Wait, in the well, description. Oral as in <laughs> yeah, auditory. A-U-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S. Those guys have redubbed episodes 1 through 6 and 
Hey man, there's remixed, there, yeah. There is an incredible alternate story to be told using Star Wars as your as your meat. <laughs> mm. Well, did you have a definitive statement? Were you pleased, displeased, or you did not watch? He still hasn't watched a bit. Uh, I have not watched, but I know enough. Whoa. I know enough to know that it would have probably annoyed me. But you know what? I, 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 I actually I can't I can't even say it would annoy me because at this stage I'm beyond caring. I don't think it can touch me actually. Oh, but Ooh. why would well, I? This be? feels like I'll why keep it brief. I'll keep it brief. <laughs> but it's exactly that moment that I say that one word that you should all be very aware of, and that's crowdfunding. Know who support support creators that make sense to you, like. Game of Thrones, that was supposed to be badass. It wasn't. Star Wars, Oh, it was know. badass for a long time. Okay. Yeah. But it subverted. So if stuff keeps doing that, start supporting creators that make sense. That's all. Yeah. Throw a coin yeah. at your creators. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Value of plenty. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. Oh, you know what? This is where I was going with that. I did interview somebody at EmpireCon. If you haven't caught that podcast, it's on my timeline somewhere. Um, but I was feeling jaded about this modern era of Star Wars. And we don't have to talk Mandalorian now. We can talk it when we talk some heavy, uh, heavy armor guy on G.I. Joe or something. But, uh, no, I was, uh, Tate Fletcher, uh, the first guy who talks in The Mandalorian, he's the guy that gets beat up at the bar. He's also the guy in The uh, Mandalorian armor that bails out the Mandalorian with that chain gun or whatever. You know, this is the way. Spoilers. I, I was asking him, I was like, what is it, what is it to be a Mandalorian? He's, and he pointed at some stuff. He's like, look, you know, when people come together, you know, when Favreau brought that team together of comedians and fighters and people... You know, he made the Mandalorian, and it made sense visually, and it felt right for the most part. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's you can still enjoy Star Wars. You just pay attention to who's creating it, and stop supporting mm-hmm. people based off like negative hype. That's all I'm done yeah. preaching. Crap, no, that's cool. Well, don't leave I the mean, listeners without I... a little bit of something, something going around the mic. Give it a rating out of ten, Mandalorian, Rob. I haven't finished it yet, so I can't give it a star rate. Ah, okay, never mind. We will uh, come back to that, dear listener. Oh, we do well. This is the way. (laughs) I have spoken. Cooge. Yes, sir. Let's get into our G.I. Joe discussion, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. An hour later, guys. Welcome to G.I. Joe. What you got for (laughs) us, man? Do you want me to introduce such words? Well, I do believe it was your brainchild, man. It was. Lay it down. Lay it on me. Lay it in me. I don't know. 2020, it hasn't overstayed its welcome yet. But uh, Battle Force 2020, there's a lot of vehicles in the G.I. Joe line. But some could use some tinkering, some slight updates. Or maybe you're just out of the box. But uh, is, is there a vehicle that makes sense in this kind of... I don't know, heightened technology, stuff like that. Uh, I'll start with you, Stephen. What are you thinking for Battle Force 2020? One of my favorite issues of G.I. Joe of all time has got to be Special Missions issue number 22. I had this issue as a child, poured over it a lot because it involved 
one of my earliest and most favorite beloved vehicles, the Cobra Wolf. Pitted up against the Snowcats with a little flavoring from the October Guard. And on the last page, Herb Trimpey, scripted by Larry Harmer, drop a little tidbit that just set my mind racing. Colonel Breckoff and Frostbite are kind of cuddling up. Because, <laughs> you know, this is one of those issues where G.I. Joe and October God join forces against the mutual enemy. Uh, it's a very popular trope. But the last page uh, deals with both teams with withdrawing. Um, and Frostbite comments that, this, that Wild Bill in the C-130 is coming to pick them up. And Breckoff... He says, and here is our Orlan, wing in ground effect, to pick us up. What the hell is a wing in ground effect? Do you guys have any <laughs> idea what that might be? There's no flying plane? Does it look know. like a phallus? No, isn't it one of those big, like, water plane things? Those huge, like, experimental Russian things? Yeah, very good. The, <laughs> the term is the ekranoplan. So, in the 1950s, there was this Russian boat designer called Rotislav Alexiev, and he was on a quest to create foster boat hulls. He adopted hydrofoils and designed them, but of course, you're always going to hit a limit to how fast a boat can move while it's still in contact with the water, even if it's just a hydrofoil that's in contact with the water, because obviously the water creates a lot of resistance. Mm. So he theorized that if you, instead of having the the aerofoil inside the water, as in the case of a hydrofoil, what if you put that aerofoil out of the water, essentially basically creating a low-flying aircraft and using using a phenomenon called ground effect, which is an annoying thing for a pilot because as you get closer to the ground, your wing will have interaction with the ground itself. There will be a cushion of air trapped between your wing and the ground, creating even more lift, which is why aircraft on approach will sometimes balloon. You know, they'll they'll rise slightly, so you have to press down on the control column to counter that and get you down to the deck. Anyway... The benefit of that ground effect is that you can effectively create massive, massive air... You could call them aircraft, I suppose, but they would only fly at about 20 meters above the ground. They'd fly incredibly fast, far faster than any boat could ever fly or move at. You know, speeds in excess of 400 kilometers per hour. And because of this ground effect, they would be able to utilize the cushion of air between the wing surface and the surface of the water for greater aircraft lift, which would allow them to carry a, a greater load than any conventional aircraft would, and use less power, therefore making it very, very fuel e efficient. And the added advantage to flying so low, guess what? Your radar invisible. So effectively, you're a stealth plane as well. Mm. You're never the Earth. Yeah. And because you're flying above the surface of the water, you're immune to mines, torpedoes, 
sea nits, submarines. Silverfish. <laughs> so these massive monsters were adopted by the Soviet Navy as potential aircraft carrier killers or to land and amphibious assault forces. So what could be a more perfect technology for Cobra to dust off than this? I mean, Cobra are based on an island. So given the fact that Cobra seems to have a lot of varied naval vehicles, I think this is definitely something they could get some use out of. And a very exciting technology that has kind of dead-ended, but still has huge scope for application. I mean, just the amount of equipment that you can move at extremely rapid speeds, approaching aircraft speeds, jet aircraft speeds, close to the ground, below radar, but above anti-ship, you know, protection. Yeah, it's it's got Cobra written all over it. So I'd love to have a Cobra vehicle, which is a wing in ground effect craft. Um, and I think the best name for it is something that I don't think uh, is at all original, but it is astounding that there's never been a Cobra vehicle so named, and that's Leviathan. Oh. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think at the helm, the included figure, uh, I'm going to sp- steal the name from the uh, the Dutch release of the Hammerhead, uh, and it's included Operator Decimator, and say that the coolest personnel, I suppose, that you could have manning it could be a high-ranking Cobra naval officer, like a rear admiral of the Cobra Navy, but, like, who's into experimental watercraft. He could actually be (laughs) Bratislav Alexiev. Bratislav Alexiev Orca. I don't know, I'm just thinking of, like, a code name. Well, it could be a kind of a historical take on the original inventor of the um, the Ekranoplan. Because this guy kind of, he ended his career in disgrace. You know, the Soviets pulled them, their funding out of his project and it, it went into technological dead end. And he, he died in 1980 feeling like a failure. What better person to have, you know, invited into the fold, so to speak, of the Cobra organization than someone who had become disillusioned with Mother Russia. All he wanted mm. to do was to create rich. the fastest waterborne craft ever created. Cobra will offer him, will give him that opportunity. He just has to sell his soul and become experimental watercraft uh, scientist for the Cobra Navy. Codename Triton. Whoa. Whoa. Triton, <laughs> nice. And that's me, guys. I just thought if like if the vehicle's called the Leviathan, he should be like Big Dong or something. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, that's... plaster that on your uh, toy uh, vehicle box. <laughs> Leviathan <laughs> comes with exclusive figure. Big Dong. Big Dong. Comes <laughs> with exclusive Big Dong. Uh... What color do you see it, Stephen? So you know the color that. Um, doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense for Cobra land vehicles. Um, would make perfect sense for an aquatic vehicle. And I speak specifically about the 
bluish gray that you have the maggot and the his two in i quite mm. like that that's cool and you know it being a futuristic waterborne craft you know even the maggots uh yellow accents would work quite nicely i think just a little pop of 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 um what's the ah canary yellow that's it chicken yellow <laughs> i was thinking of baby chickens man but no it's canary yellow definitely i think that's a that's a really Jeez. cool choice that that's a good find a really smooth beautiful hull mm. in that aquamarine color that's very sequoia with these dark yellow accents there's yeah. something kind of um uh, sinister about it because let's face it these things mm. were monstrously large and and kind of odd shaped i mean they had little stub wings uh, a huge bank of of jet engines to produce the thrust um and the jet engines would actually blow over the the wings to create even more kind of airflow and and generate more lift that way and they were just absolute hulks you know you'd kind of be in the shadow of these massive crafts and not quite be able is it a boat is it a plane it's neither it's an acranoplan oh you should probably google this stuff if you are interested dear listener because it's it's cool man definitely there's potential there they thought of a really a lot of incredible stuff back then it's it's amazing it, it's all it all seems very technological these days or at least like digital there's like did you know like we, we're pushing the limits of like getting things smaller ai and stuff like that but back then they were like you know, what could they physically build that was interesting and different? Yeah, the spruce I mean, I, goose. Well, there was all these kind of new sciences that were being employed to try and close the arms gap between the United States and the Soviet Union. You know, the, the yeah. Soviets knew that America had more missiles and more advanced tech, so they needed to counter that by, like, branching out into these newfangled ideas. It's like Khrushchev famously said uh, in one of his addresses that... The Soviet Union has a ship that could leap over bridges. And everyone thought that, you know, he was talking out of his hat. But he knew the Ekranoplan concept by that stage. He had met with Rostislav Alexiev and given him the golden handshake, man. Uh, Alexiev had the full resources of the, the Russian military to throw oh. into his experimental designs. Um, he, you know, he he just wanted to make cool boats, but the only way to do that and be financed would be to give it a military application. And so he did. He sold his soul. Yeah, for a country. <laughs> it was actually a instantly prisonable offense if you said the word Ekranoplan. No. Mm. It was that secretive. So the, the term that they uh, used instead was steamboat. <laughs> Everyone would just talk <laughs> about the steamboat, not the Ekranoplan. I think it oh, should include a bottle of vodka in the glove box, which would be an accessory that would be extremely valuable three decades later. Nostrovia. Nostrovia. Uh, but something I've been like watching lately on Netflix, which kind of ties into what Steve's saying, is there's uh, an anime called uh, Girls und Panzer. And it's uh, it's this really crazy setting of girls that where they they like sort of one of their school sports is that they ride tanks and shoot each other up. Um, 
but it's all it the whole anime focuses on real tank combat on like how tanks really work and um their functionality and the kind of prototype tanks and it's all world war ii up until modern tanks and it's really interesting like some of the designs that came out of that as well you know and some of the russian designs which were you know russian tanks are actually very famous and uh yeah, there were some that were made to be like super, super small. Like they were really like almost like little motorbike tanks. And it's really interesting. Like or armadillo? No, it's like smaller than the armadillo, dude. It's like it's tiny. It's a it's some crazy little. It's like I don't think it ever actually saw true product uh, production. I think it was only ever like I think it was stunted in its prototype stage. But the whole purpose of it was that it could only fit a two man crew, um, but it's supposed to be like super, super fast to be able to draw fire, you know, it could do enough damage um, to distract a bigger tank from, you know, from like a T-47 or something like that or whatever. And it's just, it's a really interesting anime. Yeah. Guys, it's a really interesting anime. um, If you're into like warfare stuff, uh, especially like some of the strategy behind it, because the anime is really cool about it, you know, how they they deal with it. There's a lot of anime stuff in it. So if you, you know, you might want to clench your teeth through that, but it is cute nonetheless. But anyway, yeah, it does go into the whole prototype thing. Am so, I hearing a, a a tank redesign from you, Paul? Was or you no, just... no, no. But I I just I wanted to preface that just in case somebody had it because I was like, yay, tanks. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I love tanks more now than I did before, which is quite cool. So, so Steve wants a a an Akrena plan. Um, Rob, what are you sitting on? What is your secret weapon? Oh, I was I was segueing into you. <laughs> Well, oh, mine, gonna... <laughs> my mine is essentially I, I, I just I, I've always loved the rage, so I, mm-hmm. I essentially thought of like a the rage 2.0, kind of like a, a more compact, kind of incorporating more like modern technology. I mean, obviously there's always they always had this tech in the in the comic books, you know, kind of like uh, uh, hologram technology and stuff like that. But if you can incorporate it into the rage, it can kind of like get through a city more unseen Efficiently. yeah more efficiently and then strike what it really needs to instead of constantly having to fight its way all the way to its 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 targets or something so i think a bit smaller i suppose um yeah kind of like the, the viper technology um from the tv series or i mean they've had it in the comic books i mean zartan even equipped um the dreadnoughts i think in, in some of the comic books with um his um hologram technology yeah so I, I just, I just, mine was pretty straightforward. I just, I just, I just really like the design of the rage, and I, and I wanted a smaller version of it. <laughs> Either that, or I wanted an actual his tank, if they could re-release the his tank, but one that could actually transform into like Soundwave. I think that would be really amazing. Oh fuck, that would be so cool. <laughs> because I mean, there's been so much like you know, like they've, they've done a couple of toys like that in the past, where it's like Transformers and GI Joe, but like. You could oh, actually so cool. transform a G.I. Joe scale um, his tank, that would be absolutely incredible. So, not so much updates, uh, I think, so much, but just incorporating the war technology to make the, the existing vehicle more efficient, I think. Or be a transformer. Well, I mean, that's pretty futuristic. It is. And it's an interesting line that we crossed there because, you know, the comics have sort of done that. I know ID, I gotta say, Devil's Due, not IDW. But Devil's Due did a really good uh, job of that um, in their G.I. Joe versus Transformers crossover, where it sort of, you know, all the Transformers tech was actually adopted by both sides. Um, and even so in World War II, which is quite interesting. Yeah, that's some oh, huge that advances. Dreamwave. 
you yeah. think about it. At, at, yeah, I mean, especially coming from World War Two onwards. Yeah, that was a good comic series. Yeah, so mine was pretty oh, straightforward. Yeah. Um, mm. so I, I thought I thought that was a really cool idea. Well, but and that's cool. the rage and make it better. Yeah, I think the rage would be interesting if it had like a split apart feature. So you could still have that the design its size, for example, uh, which gives it like sort of dominance. And then you could have it like split apart into two smaller vehicles that could be like more chaser kind of vehicles. But I mean, that's me talking. I'm not trying to supersede your idea. I think. No, no, that, that, that's a cool idea as well. That, that's kind of like um, this then like the the Bionic Six with the with the yeah. vehicle, which could kind of become three vehicles. Yeah. You know, kind of like launch the, the thing at the front. You had the bike that comes to the back, and then the, obviously the van itself. Um, yeah, I mean that that's actually a that's actually a cool idea as well. The character, um, the GI Joe Rhino. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, my oh, this actually segues nicely into what I want to say because um, I'm very much a mech head, and so something that I would love to have is that if Cobra has got all of this snake technology, you know, the the snake mm-hmm. armor. Um, and its role is not only to be like a, a, a powered armored suit to protect the, the pilot or rider, um, but it's also a brainwashing tool to keep them, to maintain them. So essentially it's a, it's a weapon which could, in essence, um, acquire, you know, it could be distributed. And if for some reason the pilot, there's pilot failure, um, another random bystander could be loaded into a snake or you could load a whole bunch of uh, civilians into snake armors. Uh, which yeah. makes them a very dangerous target for GI Joe to deal with because you know that's <laughs> that brings us to a whole new level of like uh, friendly fire, right? Um, and collateral yeah. damage. <laughs> and uh, so my thing is like, well, how would GI Joe counteract that? And I've I've never really found a proper way in GI Joe for how they've counteracted the snake armor. Yeah, you know we've we've had mecha stuff, but it's only come in much later. And I would love to have had some kind of powered suits for the Joes. And I'm not talking like the Sigma-6 style powered suits. I'm, I'm thinking more like a chunky, beefy Accelerator kind of powered suits suit. From you know? Rise of Cobra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why I want to avoid... Yeah, I want to avoid that kind of thing. <laughs> I, w- I want to avoid that because there's nothing... Essentially, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, why not make your troopers... Um, you know, why not outfit them like that? But I'd, I'd essentially like to try and have like the sort of a tank mixed with the brains and the the nimbleness of of a G.I. Joe, you know, because here's the thing. If you want to look at G.I. Joe as a force that has absolutely no grunts and every specialist in G.I. Joe falls out a, a specific role, then if the the sort of, let's say, the A-team or the uh, Alpha or Bravo teams were wearing sort of mech suits, um, then you could put a lot of their personality into how that works, into how that combat works. Um, you wouldn't need a whole big force. You could still keep your force quite small and deal with things like his tanks, Cobra Rages, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, especially uh, in urban environments where it can get very tricky with moving military hardware around. Now you've just got this cool mech suit that you can jump in. And this was very inspired by um, Jim Godfrey's gift, which was that uh, ammo bot. And, you know, looking at that, I was like, hey, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Like, uh, G.I. Joe needs a, needs a powered suit. And like you're saying, uh, Rob, with the Transformers kind of thing, it could always mm-hmm. be a modular system. You know, G.I. Joe could have vehicles that are inoperable without having that suit on you. You know, that suit has to link into the vehicle some way, in, in some way or another, for you to operate a G.I. Joe vehicle. You know, uh, and so, you know, it, it leaves their assets, it keeps their assets out of play. 
um, and and then has Cobra going, oh well, you know, you know, then at least you got something that can deal with snake armor without killing its occupants. You know, you got something that's the same strength, same kind of mobility and agility as as snake armor. You can just go in there and rip its arms off, for example. Um, then it's not a threat to you, and you haven't killed the occupant, and then you can tear off the the hatch with your mech suit that you're in, your powered mech suit, you know, rendering Cobra's, you know, whole strategy moot. That's mech that's nice. Slippery slope. <laughs> there are a slippery slope because it's like, when do you stop? When does it get too big and all that kind of stuff? But I think it's I think it's the same thing with tanks. And sorry, coming back to uh, Gulls and Panzer, but the thing is, like, all of these tanks are made for like different things. You know, it, if you actually take the time, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. Who are in? Uh, who are listening now? Who are into tanks? Know what I'm talking about? It's weird. It's like some tanks were designed to handle everything. Some tanks have a very, very sp- a specific role that other tanks have to protect those tanks to do their job, and that kind of thing. And and uh, and I keep thinking, well, you know, there's been so much like, you know, design with tanks. You know, why not have mecha? Why not have mech suits? We're not in a world where giant mecha suits make sense. You know, like a big, like sort of 15 foot or, or 30 foot size mecha, it makes sense to me. It's feasible. But, you know, where you're in like an 8 foot or a 10 foot mech suit, that makes sense to me. You know, like that kind of thing, like works. You know, and then of course, you know, you have people like Snake Eyes who would be like, nah, I don't need me a mech suit. You know, the body is a weapon. <laughs> Stop Shadow. Go home. Okay. <laughs> It's interesting. I, I I was at this one protest or something, and the cops broke out like this totally expensive piece of drone equipment, and the guy like gets behind the sticks, raises it up, runs it right into a tree, and you're always like, it's only as good as the user. And now you know why. Yeah, nobody wants to trip in a mech. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, why see. it have to be very specialized, like G.I. Joe. It could I be like the Vamp if... Mark IV of all the Vamp Mark V powered suits. Sorry, my, my no, mind is rolling on it. I think, uh, I, was, I was thinking back to, like, uh, for whatever reason, however impractical, I always liked the function of the uh, ASP as kind of a roadblock, that kind of thing. You know, when you're playing on a battlefield, maybe you created it with a blanket. There's a lot of possibilities for cover, stuff like that. I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, uh, the stinger's black. Didn't your asp ever jump around like a pogo? No. <laughs> Did you always use it as a fixed emplacement, Cooge? Because it's such a dead-end toy. That's some dedication. It's a sturdy piece. It's sturdy. It's and, and, like, it is a roadblock. But here's my thought. So you have the, the stinger, which is a black ride, and the asp, it doesn't look right. Black on blue, it never made sense. So I think you do... Remember, kids, just... black on blue never makes sense. Carry on. <laughs> um, I think you uh, do Destro's experimental earthquake. It's a, it's a, essentially the same foundation as the ASP, um, except it's a giant drill. It's, it's bigger than a coffin, but you have, it's a one seater. So like in the shape of a black diamond, essentially, and it says like experimental tech, the stickers would be loud and all that stuff. Um, and it would get towed behind the uh, the stinger. So essentially, it sets up, it goes upright like the asp, and it, it shoots straight into the ground. That's why I said I call like Destro's quake. And uh, 
sometimes like it, it's kind of like sometimes it doesn't come back up and you just hear it explode underground and it kind of lifts the dirt. But I was, I was thinking like ideally it could shoot underground, like if you were playing on a blanket. And then it would just come up at another fold behind the, the enemy lines, you know what I mean? And you'd have one guy pop out with, like, some firearms. You wouldn't want just to like call it, like, shot. the Asp Ripper, would you? What's that? Uh, the Asp Ripper. Uh, nice. It just sounds fun. <laughs> well, the, the pilot's name would be Gold Digger, because she's... <laughs> well, she would create... <laughs> She would create a, a a triangle for Destro and Baroness. They've been together for too long. Let's 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 make it confusing. Let's make it tricky. Some in- yeah, something interesting. I'd love mm-hmm. I love a kid like you know in in a kid in a, uh, a toy toy store going. Oh, mommy, I want to ask Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> good one, oh, good one. I want a gold digger. <laughs> Possibilities. He comes with gold digger. I gotta say that's that's a. Very loaded uh, code name, but carry on. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Cooch, not to piss on your battery, man, but you are aware that mm-hmm. um, there is currently an earthquake in the Cobra vehicle pool. It's in my I, vehicle pool too. I think I may have known that. My other pick was Tremor, mm. but that didn't yeah, sound nearly as Destro-y. Yeah, <laughs> Tremor's pretty cool. But I, I kind of like I, when when you look at the the pod that shoots underground because it's got like you know it's just got rockets that kind of recede inside it's, it's got to obviously be uh aerodynamic but um <laughs> not the buzz ball it's got a gun and two <laughs> rockets just hanging off the side true not that oh, yeah how do those things survive getting through and the ground the mole pod it's 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 interesting to look at but it's not like i wanted a, a thing that like if it shoots out of the ground on the other side of the battlefield the guy can just hop out like two or the you know gold digger she can just roll out of there no problem like it's like yeah. a quick strike. Ha, ha, is Gold Digger a female? <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Sir. So she can be a count. She can um, throw in the spanner works with Distro and the uh, Baroness. Or hold the camera. Either way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. Teamwork makes the dream work, dude. <laughs> the tremor <laughs> for 2020. How we are explaining away Big Dong and Gold Digger. I'll never know. 2020's Tremor, Vamp Mark oh, yeah. 4, the Cobra Road Rage. 2.0. We, we don't know, what, what would you call your Rage? What would you call the update of the Rage, Rob? I would just call it Rage 2. I mean, like, we have a Hiss 2, we have a Fang 2. <laughs> My name was very unoriginal. I mean, you can't really call, call it, like, the Cobra Rage Viper. I mean, that, that just sounds weird. I was just like, this, it's an update, you know, version 2.0. Mm. Um, also doesn't come with a driver, yeah? Street no, the original didn't. So I mean, why? Would, no, don't give it. Don't give a driver these days. If we if, just be happy that you're getting new vehicles. Just be happy you're getting uh, new vehicles. And Paul, <laughs> would you have a dedicated operator? I think um, the original, like I would sort of set it in a whoever the sort of front team is at the time. So like the original thirteen um, might get it, um, and then you know then they all have their own one their own, like, specific suit. So it's like a Vamp Mark IV, but it's rock and roll specification. So it's got, like, it's more catered towards having, like, more, more machine guns and whatever. Gatling guns. Gatling guns. Um, you know, like, uh, jeez. Um, Flash would have the laser sides, the laser thing going for it. Or I'd say Flash, but Flash and Grand Slam would have that. Um, Grunt could be more, like, maybe a more punchy one. 
clutches one could actually have some kind of built-in wheel kind of situation like a like a scope dog from Votoms. So maybe mm. it's a bit faster and wow, this and is out. a whole range that you that you you've kind of come up with. Yeah, just well, it's the one vehicle, just with different modifications. So yeah, I suppose a whole range, whatever. <laughs> I mean, what no, is? That's cool. I mean, it it, it could yeah. lead into into a whole new like um, I suppose not subset, but like a new um, like mini series comic or something where they kind of feature this yeah, type of technology. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And especially I'm now, like I'm to Destro's I'm... wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they, uh, like, how cool would that be if? You know, they finally sort of merged. If they merged the Transformers and GI Joe universes in the cin- cinematic side, I can almost predict that they that they're gonna have some kind of powered suits or something. In which case, we'll probably hate it by then. Well, I'll hate it by then. But for now, we've already hated power suits. Oh wait, no, yours is bigger power suits. Yeah, they're more like Votoms. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, it's not powered. They're not like in the helmet. first movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Sigma suits. And I know that Hasbro did sort of experiment with it by doing that Ashiko's um, cycle, which I would still love to get my hands on. But apparently, as a toy, it's a it's a plastic hand grenade. You know, it's just when you, you know, when you've got everything on on Ashiko, um, it falls off easily and it's clunky and whatever. So they definitely did experiment with that as a as a concept uh, in hmm. in inside or within Hasbro. Yeah. But wouldn't you want it large Very... enough, as you say, to to encase the occupant? It's not just powered armor. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I don't want there to be gaps. I want the. I wanted to protect. So it would them. be like a scope dog scale. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit tighter. I'm thinking more. Um. Okay, this is difficult. I don't want to like. Are the characters' limbs inside the arms and legs or not? No, you see, I would have. I wouldn't. I wouldn't allow that. It'd be the same design as in Appleseed, and I. Don't know why I can't remember the name of the mecha from Appleseed, but the powered suits from Appleseed have this design that's pretty good. Is that you your legs go into the lower portion so that your your legs create the mobility, um, but your arms sit in the inside so you can still manipulate the suit from the inside. You know they sit in front of you, and then the actual machine's arms are quite a bit bigger, um, and it's quite tight. It's quite close. Um, and it's quite nicely knitted to you. So it's it's not. It's a yeah. Actually, if I look at the scope dog and I compare it to a human being, it would be a slightly tighter, tighter design. Wow. I'd say about half the height of a scope. Well, dog. you're gonna need all the heavy guns to stop the Leviathan and its <laughs> landing party, mm. with its Rage Twos and Destro's Earthquake Tremors wedgies. <laughs> Destro Defiler. <laughs> I don't like her, Destro. Make her drive that death trap. <laughs> I would also like to add um, missile racks onto the back of my craft sort of dorsal placements they actually did have a, a successful missile tests on a, a ground effect craft called the Lun yeah and those missiles would have definitely posed a huge threat to carrier groups and of course it being a Cobra vehicle you can't get enough of uh, missile racks just all over the damn thing. Oh, and that thing could carry rack. depth charges as well. Mm. Bounce depth charges off it. Yes, it's not anything. It would crazy. be a big piece. It would be a hopefully a, a, a contender alongside the old uh, flag. You know, perhaps Cobra's answer to the flag, just something uniquely Cobra. Yeah. Give it like a snake motif. You know. 
giant snake motif, yeah. giant aquatic snake motif. Yeah, yeah come on, Paul, whip, whip us up a design. For the, yeah, the I'll whip up some concept there. Let me write I it down on my list. <laughs> might be due for a go fast boat update. That'd be a pretty good look. Damn, son. You don't go faster than a, a crane plan. I love how that Akrana plan just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Not quite. Took me a while to get my mouth around it. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, guys. Some cool little concepts there. Definitely scope for things that G.I. Joe doesn't currently possess. But, time for a little bit more speculation. We have a Snake Eyes movie in the pipeline. What can we expect to see on the toy shelves? Um, well, apparently it'll What's be brought to us eyes? by Jack Specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna have like ninja chopping action snake eyes. It's going to have um like screaming snake eyes. You know, like you can say, you know, it'll make a noise. It'll have um, <laughs> you like uh, it, it's its backpack will flip open. You can hide its weapons in there. It'll have cyber weapon snake eyes. I'm pretty much expecting yes, uh, flying punch snake eyes. You're basing uh, this on sure absolutely nothing, too. right, Paul? I'm basing this on, on, on what's available for Ninja Turtles. I'm basing this on what's available right now on the shelves as Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, and are we talking about six-inch scale here? Ooh. Yeah, I'm imagining, I'm imagining it's going to be six-inch scale. So I don't think that they're... No, actually, to be fair, the Fortnite figures are doing quite well, apparently, the, the smaller four-inch ones. Um, they're apparently doing well. Not in South Africa, because they're priced awfully. Well, they've outpriced themselves. But uh, apparently they're doing quite well. So we may even see that scale, you know, a four-inch scale. Who's the company? Jazzwares. Yeah, Jazzwares. I said Jack Specific earlier. Sorry, that was my mistake. Jazzwares. And they have currently been given the rights to G.I. Joe IP. Yeah, to making the figures. And I just wanted to make sure my... I just wanted to get my Google Foo in here quickly. But I believe that they are actually the guys making the Fortnite figures as well. Because I know McFarlane also does Fortnite, but I think Jazzwares also does. Jazzwares. Um, I'm looking at their website now. Yeah, they do the Fortnite figures, the the four-inch ones. Yeah, those so, are quite popular. I mean, they look really good. Um, they also do Peppa Pig and Roblox. Nice. Whoa, Peppa Pig. And, uh, yeah, and Nerf. And Feisty Pets. Jeez, those things look angry. Um, <laughs> um, sound like honestly, has, like I, I've recently kind of, uh, because of some different uh, subplots and stuff, been more aware of Michael French and retro blasting and stuff like that, and I've enjoyed those videos. Cheers, brother. But he, he did talk about like a lot of the classic Kenner Star Wars and stuff, and like it seems like I don't think you're gonna sell a bunch of toys to kids, but if they come out with a movie line that fits in the old vehicles, just do the same G.I. Joe molds. Like, don't get fancy. Don't go six-inch. Just make it so you can incorporate the new figures with the old figures. That's really the biggest deal, isn't it? Like, give one to the fans for once. Don't make us buy a bunch of new shit. Just come out with some (laughs) figures that you can incorporate. I I, I would hasten to agree with you, Cooge, but, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? Isn't Mm. O-Ring... I mean, do you want to make money? Do you want to make money? Isn't this stuff dead? Are we just, you know, clinging on to the, the 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 dreams of old to have a continuation of our beloved line that fits in seamlessly, quality-wise and construction? Yeah, well, I mean, the Ninja Turtles and Motu guys have gotten it, so you know, so it'd be nice if we got it. 
but we're not going to get it with this. And I think we should accept that. I think we, I think that the next shape of GI Joe is going to fit in the Fortnite mold, definitely. Hey, who I knows? wouldn't there, be surprised. There could be, maybe they're listening to GI Joe Berg in the sweatshops. Who knows? That's Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Fortnite, because Fortnite has so many GI Joe um, like references and nods. You know, you got that one character that's got like a Firefly skin, and you got another character that's got a Snow Serpent skin. I would not be surprised if that was done intentionally to help sell the the format to Hasbro for them to acquire the license. Well, it would appear they they had the winning audition then because mm. Hasbro they got no problem farming their IP out. I guess let mm. Jazzwares make the hard yards and you know put product on you know on the shelves, and then once GI Joe yeah. has a heartbeat again. <laughs> Hasbro can swoop in and Hasbro will just buy swoop Jazzwares. in and make their own money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although guys, realistically though, because Jazzwares is the company that makes Nerf, I've got a stronger feeling that they're going to make Nerf weapons. That that's going to be like their major focus, because Nerf is like taken off in a big way. Listen, there are GI Joe Nerf weapons anyway. Rise of Cobra and Retaliation created that association, so this is nothing new. Uh, you know, and they'll they'll also be interactive toys as well, like. You'll naturally get a Snake Eyes mask. Hell, maybe, I mean, if this movie gets that far, a Cobra Commander mask, a Destro mask, possibly. Baroness mask. <laughs> Baroness breastplate, that could be interesting. Yeah, corset, nice. I, I, I'm waiting for the Nerf sword where it shoots off the blade, <laughs> you know, and like some kind of spinning foam ninja style launcher. I mean, as a kid, that would be pretty cool. Paul, I think like, those things you know. exist, man. You were just dead to them. Well, sorry, they were dead to no, you. No, but I, yeah, I was going to say, like, they'll be reskinned as, uh, they, but that's kind of the point I'm making. That kind of stuff does exist. It'll just be reskinned for the purpose of G.I. Joe, you know? It, no, like, dude, it just, I'm telling you, yeah. it, it really exists in the Rise of Cobra and Retaliation product catalogs. I mean, sorry. It'll have Snake Eyes' branding on it this time, that's all. Oh, <laughs> As opposed God. to just G.I. Joe. Yeah. So it'd be like Snake Eyes' super foam ninja-style launching device and Snake Eyes' blade-shooting swords and Snake Eyes' like, you know, foam-launching... Have any of you guys seen the uh, world's smallest G.I. Joes? Oh, those are so cute. No, what are those? So... They're smaller than the, the Roblox ones. <laughs> they are, actually. What? Yeah. Tell yeah, me, Steven. Aren't they? They're, they're smaller than than um, uh, Lego minifigures. Yeah. So oh. th- there's this line called World's Smallest, and I'm sure you've seen them, Rob. Um, they've got like a really small Rubik's cube and a really small Magic Eight Ball and a really small um, uh, like art thingy. I can't remember the name of that thing. Um, uh, that little art doodle thing. But anyway, they made a whole bunch of them. I remember when we were in the states. I actually saw a small Joe, a Joe Colton, um, you know, on a card. Yeah, the I think I tried to Avenger team, GI Joe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So they've done an even. Yeah. So they've done a small Snake Eyes and a small Rock and Roll, I think, and somebody else. I can't remember. Snake Eyes, Roadblock, and Duke. Yes. There we go. Sorry. And they're like figures for your sideshow collectible. <laughs> so you want to <laughs> give your sideshow collectibles GI Joe toys, and you buy them those. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what is your scale. take on them? Are you cool yeah. on that kind of thing? I mean, then, then they're not on. T- they like very minimally articulated. Um, Three points of articulation, yeah, waist and shoulders, uh, and they're brought to you by a company called Super Impulse. 
Mm. Look, if I saw them in the flesh, I don't think I could resist buying them, just for the novelty. Mm. But, you know, yeah. it's a no-brainer. I know which scale is... The best scale. The ultimate scale. <laughs> Forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. But, AKA uh, baby snakers. Yeah, that's Hell kind yeah. of how I feel as well. <laughs> it's like, um, when we were in uh, in that, like, Tokyo toy shop, um, Rob and I in, in New York, uh, Rob bought one of those Transformers vs. G.I. Joe uh, kid robot minifigures, uh, which is really cool. Like, I really dig those. And I've actually seen them... Recently, I saw a whole case of them for sale for like 600 bucks. That's Rand, so about like $40 or something less. <coughs> and I must say, I was like considering it. Like if I had the cash, I would have been like, I would have like totally bought that uh, in my sort of bigger G.I. Joe spending days. But then I also thought, no, that's the kind of thing I'd pick up, you know, like if I saw it. So these world's smallest is also, if, if they found their way to me, I'd be like, wow, I'd make like, I'd have a lot of fun with them, but I don't think I'd go out of my way to like order them online, which is a very South African perspective. Because I know for a lot of our listeners in the States, if you guys see them in Walmart or whatever, um, you might feel compelled to pick them up. You know, it's easier for you, you know. I so. the, the, the novelty is always there, and they they look great, and the fact that they're that small is impressive. But I would mm. argue that. Articulation is so essential to what makes a G.I. Joe a G.I. Joe. At three points mm. of articulation, these do not succeed in being the world's smallest G.I. Joes. They are little mm. statue representations of G.I. Joes. Facsimiles. But they are not <laughs> G.I. Joes, man. They, they don't have knees. They don't have hips. they got waist and shoulders. Mm. That's it. You can stand them very stiffly, holding their equipment. Nah, man... I'm pretty sure those guys are trying their best to get Star Wars stuff done like that. Not on my watch. (laughs) (laughs) World's smallest Transformers would be pretty interesting, but we technically have had that if you thought. Unless anybody else has any intrigue. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't mind uh, uh, wrapping up with maybe just kind of like a a get ready for 2020 wrap up. There are some cool things that we can announce. It's the first episode of the year. Do we want to announce everything? I don't know. No, well, yeah, we, we kind of do, because, I mean, we definitely know everybody's going to listen to this episode, so... Oh, that's true. The, the hubris. Yeah. Whoa. No, but, I mean, it's nothing like that. It's just that, like, you know, it's the first episode of the year, so we know that we're going to get a, a lot of people listening. So I'd definitely like to tell people that um, the Patreon is very much a thing. and It uh, is. Lo- yeah. Um, <laughs> I was trying to tell you earlier, and then you were telling me about Black Book, so I wanted you to finish about that first. But yeah, Patreon's very much a thing. Uh, should be live sometime this week. And um, so that's happening. Uh, and that's to help G.I. Joburg actually make more content, um, for us to produce more content. And uh, hopefully, you know, we've heard the sentiment... No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that, Paul. I don't think it, it necessarily means more, more content. Um, but I, I have to embarrassingly confess to the fact that I was blocking G.I. Joburg having any kind of Patreon because I didn't feel comfortable with the idea of of, of, of asking for money. But I think mm. I'm in a different situation to a freelance artist who, in order to justifiably do work for this channel, you know, yeah. you have to be paid a living wage, man. 
Like this is your time. Yeah. And your time, if it's not being spent earning the Dara, then like what are you doing? So if G.I. Exactly. Joburg can subsidize your life, then it should. <laughs> it absolutely should. So I I feel a great swell of pride in announcing that we will be accepting three tiers of donations, depending on what you're able to contribute, if anything. We will keep providing yeah. the same amount of content as free as the air for everyone on the YouTubes, the Podbeans, etc., the interwebs. But if you are in a position to help us, and there are a few people out there, amazing, generous souls, and they've often asked us, how can we help? How can we get involved? Well, the answer has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. G.I. Joburg has a Patreon. Yep. So, Operation Patreon. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, well, let me, so let me step to that, unless you're still going, Paul. I am still going. And I, okay. I say, I do want to kind of break the ice on this, but I'm not going to mention any names or anything. But we have a lot of cool stuff cooking this year. Um, and I know we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, but I think maybe that's not a bad thing. But we've got some cool shit that we want to do this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I think we're going to try and our very best to pull it off. And, and, and maybe even try to beat 2019 in terms of that, if we can. Why not? We've set a bar for ourselves, so let's try to get... We're higher. definitely going to be able to do this. Positivity, dude. Boom, boom. Definitive. Kaboom, boom. We got this. We got this. Yeah. got this. We're doing I mean, it. We're I'm, doing I'm, cool things. It's happening. Don't and uh, something that a lot of our fans... A lot of our fans have been asking us about this as well. Um, quite a lot of you, actually, surprisingly. Uh, for me, especially. Uh, but... There is going to be like an album, G.I. Joburg, the album. Um, the reason that you've had to wait so long for it is I've been trying to find people who can actually do it and work with me in making it happen. Uh, that is, of course, the music that we do for the G.I. Joburg uh, Playmotion episodes. The whole thing is we're going to put it through a mastering process so that you can play it in your car or in your home stereo or whatever it is that you listen to music on. And the quality will be good. It won't blare and blow your brains out. <laughs> Because it does need to be leveled and mastered, and there are some song, uh, some musical structure things that need to be put into place to maybe make it a bit more people-facing. Um, so that's totally going to happen, and that will also be something that we're going to make available. And as it gets closer to the happening, we will inform our listeners, or we'll inform inform everybody on on how we want to do that. But we know that you dig the music. We're happy that you dig it. So now we want to help you get it. You know. But in the meantime, just keep watching our videos over and over again to get that awesome experience. I would just chase all that. This is what I'm seeing, and this is coming from 
what I would consider an informed media person. I think 2020, perfect vision, whatever you want to throw on it. It's that time that you see the people in your network and, and you go, yeah, it's worth investing in that person. Whether what they say, what they do, whether they're turning up weekly. There's tons of small creators, but every, everybody makes this whole thing work. So if you have something that you're trying to sell, as long as you're not trolling networks and whatnot, um, just put the hashtag GI Joe on it and we'll bounce it around our network. Uh, it doesn't matter what mm. it is. You know, people got families that make stuff, put it on Etsy and all that. Yeah, just put GI Joe, you're part of the squad. The black book will surface and I'm telling you this, am I the best artist? Nope. But is the black book one of the most dangerous things that you will ever see? Maybe. I, I don't know. I think I have to be at Augusta. I'm not going to mince words. My last con experience was uneven, but they're taking it downtown Marriott and downtown is a beauty. There's a river walk. There's ambience. I'll start calling people out. If we're doing every two weeks, expect to hear your name if you should be there. I'm looking at you, word burglar. I, ne I need another performance, brother. You got to get there. Merc, always flashing watches and stuff on Twitter. Dude, get to Joe Fest. <laughs> And uh, everybody else out there, Royal will be there. That's why I got to be there. Not that's why I have to, but that's why I want to be there. That's it. And Robert yeah. You throw money at the mouse. You throw money at everything else. Look around you. The people that, you know, they're, they're there for you. And, and the, vice versa. So that's all. 2020. It's coming for you, Zoe, in a good way. And you know what's also coming is the new uh, Ghostbusters movie as well. Yay! Sorry. <laughs> Shameless Ghostbusters. One film. out of every four people will be excited to watch that film. Stranger Things. I mean, Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm that guy. And Podbean listener, get in the comments. Say hello. Who's listening to us? I want to know you this year. The world is too small. Let's do it. Reach out and touch the Cujo and he'll touch you right back. Reach out mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, this has been G.I. Joe Berg, episode number 161. We're in 2020, baby. It's time. It's time. G.I. <laughs> Joe is back on the map. And we will be in the front lines, reporting on the spot, on the scene, as it happens. G.I. Joe Berg style. G.I. Joe Berg. Peace. Later, everybody.